Hi guys and welcome to Eco Talks. In this episode we'll be discussing young people and the environment. We're joined by Jazz. Hello. And Lucy. Hi. And they're just going to be answering a few questions about this topic. So, um, how much does it bother you that sustainability is seen as like a young young people's issue? And do you think young people should be so responsible for the change? Um, well, I think the sustainability, if we think about like the actual definition of it, it's meant to sort of meet the needs of today without compromising the needs of the future. And I get that young people are the future, but it seems quite silly that if we're not the ones that have made the mistake in regards to sustainability, why should we be the ones to fix it? And even if we do try and fix it, the media often says that we're naive and we don't know what we're talking about. So it's sort of this conundrum that adults have made for us to fix, but then doesn't want us to fix it. Um, To be honest, I agree with Lucy with all of that. It bothers me that older generations who were mostly responsible are now kind of taking a back seat because this isn't a problem of our making. And I'd love for there to be a greater urgency from older generations, but... I also think it's amazing that younger people are like so driven at the moment to make changes. Like when I think about our eco committee at school, there's not even enough chairs for us all in that classroom. Like it's brilliant. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I think the difficulty at the moment is that older generations are the ones in like the power seats and they're the decision makers at the moment. Um, Whereas us younger people don't really have a voice yet. And I think that's a shame, but I think that's something that will change as we grow older. I feel like it's not just for climate change as well. Like a lot of protests, they're suited to a certain demographic, like protests about equality, they're for women. Or protests, remember the American protests a couple of years back about um, school shootings? That was young people leading it. We don't have much like intersectionalism between different demographics. And I think that might be a big issue as well. So who do you think is to blame? Do you think that we can blame individuals? Some people say that, people are just trying their best and it's just different economies prioritising different economic policies. So what do you think about that? Um, well, I think oil companies are to blame, fossil fuel firms are to blame, to an extent older generations are to blame, but I don't really like pointing the blame at generations. It feels a bit cruel when they didn't even know what they were doing at that time. Um, I think it's really interesting that like big banks are investing into like pension funds in fossil fuel industries that's like we've got all these big players big banks investing into fossil fuels which makes it a massive problem for kind of weaning off fossil fuels um i think hic's um the developed and the developing world are to blame as well um yeah yeah i think that the blame's quite difficult because you can blame the people in power because they have the most control over the issues but then you could blame the man that invented steam power and started it all off. Or you can blame the person that invented trade so that now we trade globally. But then you have to blame someone from like 20,000 years ago or whenever trade started. <laughs> like, it's almost like blame's good in the sense that you can target the root cause. But unless you have sort of productive conversation about what you can do after the blame, it's almost pointless to say, look, it's your fault and then do nothing afterwards. I think that's sort of something we need to improve on. Like cancel culture yeah. is great, but if you don't change it, I don't get to get yeah. the point. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because people in high power, they have the ability to make change. But 
it's very difficult to do that and you can't just say you shouldn't be in this position like just scrap you you have to actually develop your point and educate people and actually include everyone so that everyone can make the changes together yeah like it's got knock-on consequences you can point your finger at like the big fossil fuel industries but then you have people that are on minimum wage working for them so if you just get rid of the fossil fuel industries you're taking away lots of people's livelihoods mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. And i think it's just it seems like such a big and scary task for hic's who were like hic's are in the position they are today because they went through that manufacturing stage and it's so terrifying now to think about crushing polluting industries and making more sustainable ones because the fear is, well, what if there aren't enough jobs in the more sustainable ones? And um, that's really difficult. And the other thing I think at the moment, which is really topical, is we've seen that when there's urgency for something, the government do react. Think about coronavirus <laughs> lockdown. There were so, so many deaths beginning to happen at the start of last April or last March. So the government acted immediately. They locked down. Well, maybe they didn't act immediately, but anyway, they locked down. Um, and now you think about climate change, because it's such a it's a long term thing almost. We aren't seeing this urgency from the government at the moment, but the problem is, you know, in fifty years' time, there will probably have been more climate deaths or something horrible like that. And I think that. At the moment, the government don't see that urgency, so they don't see that need to make a quick decision. But that's something that needs to change, in my opinion. I completely agree with that as well, just because like it's other countries outside of the UK that can see the effects of climate change more than us. Like I was listening to a podcast about how Jakarta is sinking as a result of climate change, and you can see the same in the Maldives or the Seychelles. But because it's not here, we don't feel the need to react immediately which is quite frustrating but yeah and I bet you the moment we start seeing climate refugees over here as well there'll be immediate action taken then but at the moment we aren't taking the precautions to stop that from happening yeah and even the immediate action is to sort of consider the long-term consequences yeah right uh so back to like the smaller not smaller scale but amongst like families are you like pushing your families for more sustainable changes like in your households do you find it difficult to make changes and like what kind of changes have you made to be honest my family have been pretty open-minded to the whole thing we well as a family we've watched a lot of sort of David Attenborough like Leonardo DiCaprio before the flood all of those programs and they've really really inspired us and so since the start of this new year me and one of my sisters have gone fully vegetarian and the rest of my family, so my sister, my mum and my dad, just eat fish, which is amazing. I never thought that would happen because we were big meat eaters before that. Um, but it's, it's actually been amazing. And also, yeah, well, we try to kind of use the paper bags, not the plastic bags in the... Um... I mean, I've got to say, my parents are pretty good. Like, my mum's quite big on climate change as well. She we, she will send each other emails with different webinars we can listen to about climate change. And I managed to nag them into doing Earth Hour the other day, even though they sat there the whole time rolling their eyes about why we had to sit in the dark. But, um, no, they're actually really good. Like, I know that at their workplace too, they're on about sort of getting LED lights and having proper recycling. And I think Jazz was right. If you sort of get your family to do it together and make a sort of event out of it, and sometimes it can be a bit easier than sort of taking the moral high ground and telling them they're killing the planet, which doesn't always go down well. 
And also, I think that now that we've made these changes, like, I can see this becoming a lifestyle now because it's actually like becoming vegetarian. I wouldn't go back because now whenever I have a meal, I'm like, I'm doing a really good thing for the planet here. Like, and I'm actually really proud of it. And I think my whole family feel like that as well. But yeah, I'm just really glad we made those changes because it just makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah, and it's a habit. Like if you just yeah. swap the plastic bottles of soap for a bar of soap, it's not difficult. Like I get that some things can be more expensive, but luckily we're in a privileged position where we can make some of these changes and they do just become yeah. habits and doesn't feel difficult anymore. Yeah, that's so good. I'm kind of the opposite though, because my family, they're just so stubborn when it comes <laughs> to it. So I've had so many conversations and arguments where they've just been like, we don't really care. Like they're not too fast, but what I found helped is kind of personalizing it to them and their lives. Um, Because my parents are originally from Ghana I was telling them, you know, like, with climate change, the countries that are closest to the equator and stuff, they're going to see the impacts sooner. So their family, our family in Ghana and stuff, they're going to be the ones who are affected. And once I kind of told them that and, like, kind of made it personal to them, they kind of listen a bit more. My mum actually makes, like, vegan food for me because when I first went vegan, it was World War Three, so I was fuming. <laughs> <laughs> she was like how are you going to get protein how are you going to do this but now she actually like makes vegetarian meals and vegan food for me and my sister and my younger sister as well she like eats way more plant-based now which is great to see where as in the beginning they were like what are you talking about like it like this isn't a real issue like there are so many other issues that are real and it kind of goes back to that thing of people not seeing it as urgent where it really is in the grand scheme of things yeah yeah I'm kind of the same as you like it, I find it very hard to persuade my parents to do more like sustainable things and they agree with me that we need to make changes but it's also very difficult like especially about their like, vegetarianism that con- my mum's constantly being like how are you going to get enough protein in your meals like this isn't going to work this is so stressful for me and I'm like we could just all become vegetarian but she's like no we can't live like that and it's just it it does get quite hard but then like we have made changes around the household and there's things like we've always been big like recyclers and composters and we've always like reused our bags try to limit plastic and things like that um yeah I think I think food's a very big thing like we've tried to cut down on red meat and things like that but Especially my brother, he loves me. I was going to say, my dad's a carnival. Like, my mum will cook, like, some vegetarian sausages for me and her, and then my dad will be there with a fat piece of steak, and we're like, there's no helping you. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I think it doesn't have to be a change where you say, oh, I'm going vegetarian forever now. I think if you genuinely started trying some, like, plant-based alternatives, people, well, this is to people in general, um, like, you might enjoy it, you never know, and you don't need to become fully vegetarian. Like, you just need to cut down on what you eat. And that's not so yeah. difficult when you think about it. It's just making, like, getting across that mental barrier that's so difficult. <laughs> yeah, because my brother does often talk about how, like, vegan um, meat alternatives, they just look awful to him. And I'm like, no, they, they, do, they do taste good. And then he just doesn't believe me. Like, sometimes when they taste good, he'll eat them. But I think it's a lot to do with, like 
taste but then that sounds very privileged yeah. like <laughs> can we not just cut out of here <laughs> but obviously not but yeah um so i was watching an interview with jamie margolin um a young climate activist and she was talking about how politicians look at her and they congratulate her and they say maybe one day you'll be able to make the changes when you're older and she was saying how it how it frustrates her that they're basically saying you can't do anything now well done but wait till you're older which is very frustrating because like we need to make the change now how do you feel about comments like that I mean, I guess there's a sort of a fine boundary between them being fair that we aren't as knowledgeable, knowledgeable as them, because, I mean, a lot of the politicians, they've all gone through university, they have years of experience, they understand how the system works. And we can educate ourselves as much as we want, but we are behind them and we're on the back foot. But then I think it also ties into a greater issue of representing young people in politics, because... I'm not advocating lowering the voting age to 16. I wouldn't trust my 16-year-old self with the vote. But to let us have no voice at all, and then that results to us just protesting on the street because we see no other option, doesn't feel like productive government. So I think maybe if there's a channel for us to talk about climate change with politicians and it not just to be a public stunt, as a, listen, we do care about the young people, we're listening to them, but not doing anything. I think maybe that should be taken into account. But I do somewhat agree that we shouldn't be directly involved in policy making because we're not there yet. Yeah, you've summarised that so well. I'm not sure if I can add anything more. But I just think it's <laughs> it's sad because she wants to make a difference, but she can't because our generation and those other people who care about the environment aren't in the power seats. You know, we're not the decision makers yet. And so our voices often aren't heard. Um, but... I mean, I agree with the fact that I wouldn't trust myself with the vote age 16 either, but it would be cool if there were blends of age and experience in powerful decision-making seats. Um, not necessarily making the decisions, but just you know being listened to and actually listened to, not, oh, we're pretending we're listening. No, we actually are listening, and this is what we're going to do about it. Um, yeah, like I said, they don't need to be making the decisions themselves, but they need an opinion. And I also think that government needs to develop the urgency and the attitude like they did with this pandemic and say, you know, we have to act now, enough is enough. Listening to the younger people whose voices they're using. I'd also just say that we want them to listen, but we don't want them to listen to just us. We are sitting here sort of white females at private school in the southeast, not far from London. And like, (laughs) well, (laughs) almost. But like, we tend to see that it, like climate change is always, if you look at the protests, it's the white middle class, which isn't helpful because we're not the ones most affected by it. Like you need to make the conversation more diverse. So how can we encourage other students to make changes? So how can we encourage other students to make changes? Well, we talk quite a lot about this at Eco Committee, but I think the most important thing is definitely starting with small things. You know, we can't get up and preach in an assembly about how you all need to become vegetarian tomorrow, never buy anything plastic ever again, and it all just seems horribly daunting and it's just so much easier to not do so. It's got to be start with small things, you know, buy a reusable coffee cup because actually that will bring you a lot of joy as well as also helping the environment. It's got to be things like 
have one meatless day a week and see if you enjoy it it's going to be maybe you could keep eating some meat but also have some other plant-based options on the side and get yourself enjoying plant-based food and then you can completely phase out the meat um it's going to be things like that that gradually build it up um so it's more appealing to people really i'd say sort of get out there and enjoy nature like if you don't never go outside you just sit in your room all day staring at a screen you're not going to really understand why you're doing these things what you're trying to preserve and then something else that I'd never really thought of until I'd seen things on Twitter is that anybody can send a letter to their MP. You could just send a little letter to Kristen Blunt for Rygate and Vanstead, tell them what changes you want to see in Rygate. Do you want to see water fountains so that we don't keep buying plastic bottles? Do you want to see improved cycle lanes so we stop driving everywhere unnecessarily? You can speak to your MPs even if you're not at voting age and you can ask for change on a bigger scale if it's something you're passionate about. But I totally agree, just start small and then move from there. Yeah, and the other thing as well, I think watching programmes like the David Attenborough Perfect Planet series, there was a life on our planet, there was Leonardo DiCaprio's Before the Flood. There's so many really hard-hitting programmes and I genuinely think if you watch those programmes, you're going to want to change your habits because like they really hit home they really make you a bit terrified about the future in a way and I just think yeah they're amazing I think everyone should see them because they will really encourage you to change your ways yeah I definitely agree with that I think a lot of students like in my in our school people who I've talked to who like don't attend eco committee um they just feel like they can't make an impact they feel like they're so small in such a big world that they just can't make change and that they're little um, like going to the store and avoiding buying plastic they just feel like they can't make a difference so I think if we talk about if everyone comes together and makes more changes then that's what can make the big change and then I also feel like I, I want to talk to the old older generation and just just say like in everyday work like small things like my dad in his um at work his business is like starting to make small changes well technically big big changes um just to take the environment into consideration and just i think talking to parents especially just so that they can implement things in their work i think that can make a big change as well yeah, I think getting on pa- getting parents on board is a big thing too because you know we're not really the ones that do the food shop every week and so we're not the ones there going, no, don't buy the plastic stuff. No, can you stop buying all of that meat? Um, but also, if you demonstrate passion for something, a lot of the time your parents will kind of follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on what you said about how we often feel like our little actions don't have a big consequence I think that's just like a global misunderstanding like mm-hmm. um yeah. you guys could probably talk about it a, little, a lot better than me because you do economics but it's just classic supply and demand if we stop buying it they'll stop selling it yeah and I mean we saw it with the reddit yeah, that- thing when the stock market prices went soaring they were just individuals mm-hmm. that thought they could screw over the stock market and they made money from mm-hmm. it but it's almost like the same thing here. If we stop buying the plastic, they'll stop making us because the collective individual does have an impact. Yeah. yeah. We always seem to come back to this debate in all sorts of societies about should it be like a bottom-up approach or a top-down approach? And a lot of people say, 
um, it should be the government implemented policy, which means, you know, you can't use plastic anymore, let's say. Obviously, that's quite dramatic. But really, it, it does start with the individual. Like, that's how markets work. It starts with the individual consumer demanding or not demanding, for that matter. Um, and, yeah, I feel like we often sit here saying, oh, the government should just implement a policy to stop this. But no, it's got to start with us. That's yeah. just us delaying it even further, I think. Yeah, because we've seen before that sort of social actions control the policies that are made. Like if the policy is made without cultural influence, then often it's just disagreed with and we don't like it at all. But if we're the ones demanding it, then it's more likely to have an impact. I don't know if that made any sense whatsoever, but... Yeah, because it is a lot down to consumption. Like, if we look at wind farms, people want sustainable and renewable energy. And so, like, the market for wind and solar has increased so much. It's just consumption and, yeah, simple supply. You see the same thing with electric cars. If people hadn't bought them, the government wouldn't be pressured to put in more stations at, um, Mm -hmm. what's it called? Um, motorway stopping points. I don't remember. <laughs> petrol stations. Is it no, petrol stations? The other word. Oh. What's the other word? Like when you're on the motorway, you pull over, you stop, you get a cup of coffee from Costa. Uh, oh, no. I know, I know what she's talking about. But it's... <laughs> oh, what are they call? We're having such an intelligent conversation, but we can't remember what this is called. <laughs> it's like Does it mean an R? What are you it's like about? Stop. I don't know. It's a, it's a, mm, service station. Service station. Drive through. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, thanks guys for listening and thank you to Lucy and Jazz for joining us this week. Make sure you follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and follow our Instagram at Eco Talks. Make sure to join us for our next episode. Bye.